Okay, so uh, last week we launched into a, uh, a little series that we're going to be doing over the, the next um, couple of months where we are exploring and examining our uh, values, the value statements that we have as a church. Um, as I mentioned last week, when I first became a Christian in the 90s, yes, I was alive that long ago, even though that's surprising to you. Um, it was very fashionable to have kind of very worked out mission statements and vision statements and uh, as helpful as they can be, I actually think that these days people are um, um, primarily uh, looking, who are you? And, and, and how do you live out the values of who, that you, who you say that you are? And so I think it's really important, uh, and we realized as a leadership team that these values hadn't been talked about an awful lot. We hadn't really um, um, publicized them hugely. And we thought it would be really great this year, towards the beginning of uh, 2024, to, to talk about these Values. So the, the one that we're talking about today, last week we talked about being Christ-centered, having Jesus at the center of all that we do in our lives, having Jesus at the center of all that we do in our church activities and our church um, life. And this week we're talking about being a people who are Bible-shaped. Just as a little um, reminder from last week, or if it's new to you, of what we, how we have described our values as a church went through a process a few years ago where we, we prayed and we debated and we disagreed and then we came to a consensus and these are the values that we landed on in, in terms of the, the firstly values being deeply ingrained things that we believe are part of the fabric of who we are and secondly they are aspirational values, they're things that we want to grow in, things that we want to learn to be better in and we don't pretend that we have uh, got any of these sussed out. We want to aspire to live these values out as a church. So people who are Christ-centered, people who are Bible-shaped, people who are family, people who are vibrant, people who demonstrate integrity, extend grace, and connect. And that's what we believe as Elim Aberystwyth we are. You may be aware that the best-selling book of all time is the Christian Bible. Um, this is from the Guinness Book of Records or from the Guinness website um, re regarding the Book of Records. It is um, impossible to know exactly how many copies have been printed in the roughly 1,500 years since its contents were standardized. But research conducted by the British and Foreign Bible Society in 2021 suggests between 5 and 7 billion copies of the Bible have been uh, sold or distributed uh, and um, that is five to seven billion times the word of God being made available to people for, for them to understand what God would say to them and to grow and learn. And that's fantastic. And we want to be a Bible-shaped people. So in the coming months and years, we're going to roll out an extensive um, uh, um, plastic surgery opportunity so that we can all become Bible-shaped and look like Mr. Biblehead. That was a joke. I mean, some of you are looking a little bit worried there. Oh, this church does plastic surgery. We don't have the budget for plastic surgery. Um, but of course, because of the way my brain works, when, when we think about being Bible-shaped people, I, I picture people walking around like Mr. Biblehead. This is Mr. Biblehead who has his own blog, and you can go and look at that for yourself, discussing Bible issues. But um, of course, when we are saying that we are wanting to be Bible-shaped, we're not talking about literally changing our physical shape. We're wanting to actually say that we want to be shaped 
by the words of Scripture. We want the, the way that we live, the way that we think, the way that we act, the way that we speak, the things that we do within the life of our church and in our individual lives as we walk around doing whatever we do every day. We want the, all of that to be shaped by the words of Scripture and shaped by the Bible. Amen? As an Elam church, um, we have certain, uh, what we describe as foundational truths for all Elam churches, things that we hold to and believe. And this is what we say about the Bible. We believe the Bible as originally given to be without error, the fully inspired and infallible word of God and the supreme and final authority in all matters of faith and conduct. That may not be your own personal understanding and that may be something that you want to discuss with us, but I think it's important that we're clear what we believe as an Elim church, what I believe as an Elim pastor, what we uh, subscribe to as our leadership team and as our church members. We believe that these uh, words of scripture, the pages of the Bible, are not just another book. They are the inspired words that God has given us in order to know who he wants us to be, how he wants us to live, and to shape our lives around. And in 2 Timothy and chapter 3, it says this, and I'd really appreciate it if you can see the words clearly enough. I know they're not huge, but if you're able to, let's read these words uh, and declare the word of God together. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Lord, we thank you for your word and what it means to us. I pray that we would be able to apply it to our lives and live according to it in our day. Amen. Um, so Paul here, uh, writing to Timothy, somebody who he, he had mentored and had a great impact over his life. And he'd known Timothy had uh, been exposed uh, through his mother and his grandmother to uh, Scripture from a young age. Um, but he's encouraging him to stick to those scriptures that he has learned. And the word there for scripture, which in the Greek is graphe, which is where we get graphic from, and graph, and those kind of words come from the same derivative, means a writing or a scripture. And Paul is referring to the law and the prophets of the Old Testament, because the uh, New Testament itself as a collective had not been put together, it had not been put into the shape that we now know it as, but it is possible, and lots of authors and lots of uh, um, theologians and, and researchers do uh, believe, and there are a couple of other places where Paul refers to New Testament scriptures, such as those in the Gospels, and he actually uses this same word of scripture for those things. So, um, of course, he's talking about the law and the prophets of the Old Testament, but other um, things that have been written by the apostles had also been included um, grammatically by Paul under the title of Scripture. And the biblical canon itself had not yet been completed. And this was something which caused me some like real head-scratching um, years ago as a young man and trying to work things out. Well, surely it's I'm just trusting some person 
who's decided that these are the books that should be in the Bible. And, and, and I'm putting an awful lot of trust in that because I'm saying these are, these are kind of God's words. These are the words I'm going to base my life on, uh, according to a, a children's song that was around when I was a new believer. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, these are the words to build your life on. It's research. Anybody remember that? No, no, yeah. Oh, somebody. Did I get a yes? Does somebody know? A cue. I think it was Jim Bailey, Jim Bailey, who wrote, who wrote that um, very catchy number, and now you all know that, and and you too can build your life on the words of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are other books as well uh, within the Bible that I recommend. Um, so, uh, and, and and ultimately, um, where I came to was this place of trust that God had been sovereign. In, uh, and, and there'd been diligence, the right diligence had been done in terms of bringing together the words uh, of the scriptures of the New Testament as well and the writings of the apostles and all those things that had come together. And we trust that God um, has been at work in the creation of these books that we know as the Bible. So graphe was that word for scripture. And the other interesting phrase which we don't really find very often, we don't really see elsewhere, is this phrase of God breathed. And although Paul was writing to his um, mentee, Timothy, I'm so glad he did and I'm so glad these words are available to us because it helps us to get this insight and this understanding of what he means by scriptures. Uh, And it means literally breathed by God. Uh, You can't speak without breathing. Uh, And so when God speaks, his breath is inherent in in, in the, the, the production of his word. And so what, um, the, what Paul is trying to say here is that all the scriptures that we uh, look at, the law and the prophets, which you, your, your mother and your grandmother, Timothy, had, had, had taught you about, and these uh, new words of the New Testament, these words of scripture, graphe, that we have come and compiled and have become the books of the Bible, they have been inspired by God. Now, that carries with it a lot of weight, but we have to recognize then the challenges that you and I face in 2024 in Aberystwyth of taking what was originally inspired and breathed by God and then written down by a human being and then uh, probably a scribe, in terms of the copies of the scriptures that we have, they they were copied by a scribe somewhere uh, and they've been uh, over years and years, you know, held and pulled together and, um, and they're inevitably are challenges that we face in interpretation. The first thing which is worth uh, acknowledging is that the scriptures were not written in Welsh or in English. They were originally written in Hebrew and in Greek. And so as soon as you begin to take something from one language to another language, I am uh, doing my best to learn Welsh at the moment. And it's a different way of thinking. Even the even taking a, one sentence apart and seeing that we put the, 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 the emphasis of the sentence in a different place in the sentence is actually a different mentality and a different way of thinking. And so when you're taking something from one language to another, the first thing you're dealing with is the, the crossing over of language. And then we've got, uh, this is a very crude description of what these two words mean, but I, I, c- I couldn't summarize it in another way. The hermeneutics. 
The hermeneutics of the Bible means understanding the meaning that the writer was writing with. Why was the writer, what, what, was, what was implied, what was written, what's um, the subtext, what's underneath the, the wording that they wrote, and what did it mean to the people at that time? How would it have been understood by the original readers, and that kind of thing? Uh, and then exegesis, which has more to do, and this is a bit crude, but, it, but it's, a, it's a bit more about how do we understand that today? How do we apply that today? Because, you know, if I was to say a stitch in time saves nine, and then somebody was to interpret that into Arabic today, they're going to be like, what on earth is that? And so we have to understand that there were phrases, there were, there were turns of phrase that, that were taken, that, that would have been scripture that come across. And we have to try and then say, well, what does that mean to somebody in 2024 in Aberystwyth? And that's the application of what scripture means. But these scriptures, as Paul says to Timothy, they are useful. <clears throat> and they are worth grappling with. They're worth getting to grips with. They're worth trying to work out and trying to understand and to apply. And as we do so, we can be equipped and enabled and strengthened. And we can learn how God wants us to live, how God wants us to be. Not because he wants to give us a bunch of rules to keep to, but because he knows what is best for us. Uh, some people talk about the Bible being uh, God's instruction manual for life. I think it's more than that. But it definitely does, uh, in terms of, uh, if you look at the collection of Scripture as a whole, inform us in everything that we need to know and give us information from start to finish of life in terms of how we are to live. Another a great and well-known passage from Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says, The word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And this sharp two-edged sword would have been a picture that would have been familiar to the readers of the day because they would have seen the soldiers carrying these short, sharp, two-edged swords around, these combat swords, uh, um, but not one of those swords that they, as accurate as they may be, and this, as however skillful the bearer of that sword was, nobody would have been able to divide soul and spirit. But the Word of God, the Bible, which is so precious to us, is able to even divide soul and spirit it gets to the very heart and mind of what it is that we're doing and thinking. But in this um, uh, passage, we have this word for, uh, for God's word. When it talks about God's word in that passage, this is the word that's used, the logos. And that means a word which embodies an idea, a statement, or a speech. And logos can be understood in various ways. In this context and in other contexts, it could be understood as the scriptural words, the words of scripture. Uh, we even see that the word logos is one of the names given to Jesus of Nazareth. In the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God and the word there is logos or logos. Um, and also it can be understood as the voice of God. So God's speaking into a moment. Uh, and as a church, we very much value the opportunity for God to speak to us. We, we are open to what, what might God say to us today. Of course, whenever somebody brings a word or a picture or a, something which they sense that God is saying, we always have the standard of the word of God in terms of the scripture, the logos itself, to, to understand that and, and use as the plumb line for is this 
God's language that's being spoken here? Is this God's way of speaking? And we make sure, we try, we do our best to weigh and interpret and understand things always according to the word of God. God communicates with us through each of these means and more. And if God has said something, then it is to be cherished and we want ourselves to be shaped by it. Amen? So these words of scripture, they're precious. And they're not easy to understand. Much of the scripture is actually really, really hard to get your head around. And I find it hard. We all find it challenging. But they're worth grappling with because they reveal God's heart to us. They reveal his ways. It's not just God's rules. It's God's heart that's being revealed to us in that way. So. If we value scripture in this way, we understand what scripture is, what we mean by scripture. We're talking about the word of God, the Bible that's been inspired by God, given to us for matters of life and faith and to train us for uh, useful purposes. How can you be a Bible-shaped person? In Psalm 119, the psalmist writes a pretty similar question, um, specifically to a, a certain age range, which I I'm probably not in anymore. But anyway, how can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. And I think that answers the question of how we can become a Bible-shaped person by meditating on the word of God, by speaking the word of God, by studying and trying to understand the word of God. And we live in an extremely privileged age. It's only in the last few hundred years in, in all of history that, that we have the opportunity to read these words for ourselves with our own eyes and understand it. In days gone, pre- previous to the, the last few hundred years since the printing press, we would have, there would have to have been this mediation. Somebody would have to read the words out. And for many years, that would, they would have been read out in Latin. And so you had the first challenge to how do I understand and live according to this. And, 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 and there was this mediation. But we, what a great privilege. We don't realize how privileged we are not just to have the words of the Bible to turn in pages in books. But now we can carry the word of God around in our pockets. We can carry the word of God around on an iPad. We can access the word of God from any computer. And as much as, the, uh, as, much as those things can be used for things that are unhelpful and unhealthy and unholy, we can use those things for things that are helpful and holy. Amen? We live in a day of great privilege to be able to meditate on the precepts of God by taking the word of God, opening an app, and looking at those words right there. And however many commentaries and, and understandings of things from, uh, from, these, from these devices that we can unlock. And so let's, 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 let's use these for, for good purposes, amen? And not for some of the other stuff that we might use them for. Because 
um, it's true to say that you are what you eat. And we know that physically, don't we? Um, so if we want to become Bible-shaped like Mr. Biblehead, then it's no good eating endless TikTok, an endless Netflix, an endless Instagram, BBC iPlayer, endless X, endless Reels, endless Mills and Boom, that goes back for a few, doesn't it? Endless Cambrian News even, dare I say. Now, these things may not inherently, well, you can argue about this as much as you like, these things may not inherently have anything wrong or bad about them, discuss another time. Um, but if we just feed ourselves on a diet of those things, then we are going to become unhealthy just as if we feed ourselves on unhealthy food over and over and over and over again and never take the good stuff in. So if we want to be a Bible-shaped person, we've got to feed ourselves, feed ourselves with this good stuff. If you want to be more godly, then you need to get more bible I don't think that's an official word. I was, as I was preparing this um, uh, talk uh, this week, I had um, a, a, um, a playlist, which is um, an artist I've just come across recently called Jonathan Ogden, who, and he's, he's um, it's just very relaxing worship music, scripturally based. And as I was writing some of these words down, as I was at this point in, this, in my talk, um, these words were just being sung over in the background, and I just thought they were great. It's so speaking into what, what I was actually writing that I would quote them. Your word is water to my soul. Your word is life to me. Day and night, I will meditate on your word. I wonder if you can make that commitment and express that desire this morning. Can we have that shared desire to meditate on his word day and night? Just some really simple practical ideas. Um, I don't know if you have yet downloaded the U version. It's called the U version Bible app, an amazing resource. There will never be a perfect resource. There will never be a perfect book. There will never be a perfect commentary. There will never be a perfect preacher. There will never be any any anything uh, that uh, where, where, wherever we humans get involved is going to be perfect. However, this can be a really helpful resource, and whether you agree with everything on there or, or not, it is excellent for a few things. And one of the things that I use this for, and I find it really helpful, is in the morning, before looking at any other apps, before opening any other, um, before opening any social media, anything like that, um, it's got a, what it calls its daily refresh pro program or process or, or, or thing. Um, and literally, you just um, open up the app, it gives you a, a passage of scripture. This was the passage from Thursday, I think it was. Uh, who is a God like you, who pardons sins and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance. You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. What a great way to start my day on Thursday. Understanding this scriptural truth. And then somebody will go, th then there's a video of somebody talking about their perspective and unpacking some something that that passage might be saying for you, and then you click through and there's some sort of prompts to make you think and respond. You don't have to do all of it. You can click through these things. And then uh, th after that, the bottom section there, there's just like a, an opportunity with a bit of music playing if you want to, 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 to pray and to meditate and to spend some time with God. 
really helpful, really good way to start your day. And if it's as simple as that for you, this is, if, if that's the one thing that you think, oh, I might try that tomorrow, then I would feel very happy about what, what you've gone away thinking about today. Um, uh, and, but just to say, um, we did talk, I, I put this out on an email at the beginning of, of uh, the year to the church, and a couple of people said they'd be interested, but I was thinking of starting um, an opportunity for t- to share in, in this as a journey together, and I'll talk about that in a little while later. But something else is just something that you just cannot replicate with anything else, and that is just spending time. You need to spend time in the Word of God, otherwise you won't grow in the, t- in the Word of God. And as I um, spent some time this week and set some time aside with God, this is just a um, a sketch. If you if you're visiting Aberystwyth, you may have seen the lighthouse. Um, it's a little lighthouse uh, on um, Tannabolch Beach. It's called Tannabolch Beach. And I was there and I did a little sketch and just these words um, from Psalm 119: "Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path." And how many people know that walking in the dark is dangerous? And the world around us, it's dark, isn't it? There are many things which we need help with. And it's God's word, God's scripture that will help us and lead us. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. It's so important, the scriptures, that Jesus used them in his time of temptation. He said, it is written. As the tempter tried to come and tell him to Um, to tell the stones to become bread, Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the it is written there is gegraptai, which means it stands written. And we need to arm ourselves and equip ourselves and enable ourselves with the words that God has written. If it's scripture that was used by Jesus in the face of temptation, then we too can arm ourselves with scripture. And as we face our trials and temptations, we can quote those scriptures. And I wonder if there's a scripture that you need to quote today to the enemy. I wonder if there's a scripture that you need to hold on to the truth of today and quote to the enemy. And when it says, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word, the word there for word is rhema. trouble with my clicker. Rhema. And that means, uh, again, a word by implication or a matter, but there's an imminence about this. And where gegraptai refers to the logical recorded written words of scripture, rhema speaks of God's imminent and powerful communication. And we know that God wants to speak to us today. And Jesus tied these things together so that we can prioritize the word of God as he speaks to us alongside the barra, which means bread. Are you hungry today to consume God's words? What is it that you're hungry for? So very quickly, I'm going to skip through this. How can we seek to be a Bible-shaped people, a Bible-shaped church? Well, we're going to keep Scripture central in our gatherings. We're going to always gather around and try and understand and unpack the Word together. We're going to grow together in our devotional reading And we're going to express God's truth into our communities and our contexts. 
We run something called the Bible Course. If you haven't done that before, absolutely fantastic. In our connect groups, one of the things that we hold as a value is to connect for truth, connect around the Word of God. And as I said before, I'm thinking maybe a, a Facebook Messenger group where we just ask each other, hey everyone, what did you learn from today's reading as we do that daily refresh program? And if you would like to be added to that Facebook Messenger group and just encourage one another each day as we read the Word of God, then please send an email to info at let me know, or, or, or message me personally if you have the details. Um, so, we want, we, uh, so that we can grow as a community in the Word of God. But as you bring kingdom-shaped ways and words and actions to your community and context, then this is the key, church. You take the Word of God into the world. As you act in a way in your workplace that is different to the way other people are acting because it is Bible-shaped, because it is scriptural truth that you're applying, you're not entering into certain types of talking or certain ways of acting because it's Bible-shaped. You are bringing the Word of God. You are living. You are expressing the Word of God in your context. Do you understand what I'm saying? And in that way, we bring the Word of God into the world. And in that way, we shine a light, the lamp of the world, the, the light of the world and the lamp of God into the dark places. And we give people a pathway and we help them to see. And it doesn't always feel like it's succeeding. But we are taught to pray on earth as it is in heaven. And when we express and live out the word of God, we are restoring a Bible-shaped world around us. We don't just want to have a club that meets together, discusses the Bible, says, oh, that's a really good idea. That's a healthy way to do things. And then fails to live out the reality of that word in the world around us. We want to be a people that are Bible-shaped and that that Bible-shaping will have an impact on the world around us, in our communities, in our families, in our workplaces. Amen? So that we can see the Bible-shaping kingdom activity that God is asking to be um, outworked, outworked in Aberystwyth and in Wales and in the world. And that's our aspiration. That's what we're aiming to be. That's what we want to be as we seek to be a people who are Bible-shaped and live this out. Amen? Sarah, if you could just come and play for me. We're just going to respond with a song that tells him that his word is a lamp unto our feet. It's an old song, but be familiar to many of us. We sung... We, we talked last week about Jesus being central. And time and time again, we've looked at the fact that Jesus is central to the scripture from beginning to end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and was, the Word was with God, and He was active in creation. And the whole story of scripture points us to Jesus. And if you have never been pointed to Jesus before and, and it's not something you've come to understand and realize the truth of for yourself, then we would love the opportunity to pray with you and to talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus and to have him as your king and as your Lord. So please speak to myself or someone that you've seen at the front this morning or somebody who brought you to church this morning who you trust and we would love to give you the opportunity to pray and to begin that journey of what it might look like to follow Jesus. So Lord, let your words written and inspired and the words that you speak to us 
as we go about our lives, shape who we are. Lord, we want to be more like you. We want to be more like people whose lives are informed and shaped by the words of Scripture.